For this episode, I'd just like to give a trigger warning that we will be discussing issues including suicide. Welcome to Shine Me A Light Podcasts. This series is the last 27 years where every episode we interview one individual and what's happened for them since high school. And this episode is Sasha Strickland. So pretty much what are we doing is sort of starting with people going, did you do HSC in 95 with everyone else? Because most people, it seems, didn't. No, I there we go. Another one. I left. Uh, yeah, I left in year eleven. Yep. I left at the beginning of the first term in year eleven. Yep. Um, and I don't know if you remember. By that point, I was kind of getting into a lot of trouble. I was being suspended a lot, and basically, I was I was told that if the the next thing that I did, I would be expelled. And they used to call it vacating um, your place. Did they call that on your letters? Yeah, I used yeah. to get that. Your place well, would be vacated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I have to say, like at that point, because it was Miss Varity was the Mrs. Varity was the, the principal. Yeah. Um, she she fucking saved my life. Wow. She legit saved my life because. Um, my, my, I don't know if you know, but my parents are pretty hardcore. No, I didn't know. Um, about Sydney High. So I grew up in Surrey Hills and when I was a kid, we used to drive past and my mum would always say that's your high school. (laughs) That's where you're going to go. And I had no idea that it was a selective high school. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. That's my high school. (laughs) Like my primary school is Crown Street. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Um not knowing the innuendo that was behind the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so it was really a dream for them that yeah. I went to that school. Um, and so without sort of going in it, into it or diverging too much away from it, when the, the time came when I was in year 11, Mrs. Varity actually realised how unhappy I was. Yeah. Um, and she pretty much just talked my mother into letting me leave, um, which is, you know, it, it saved my life. I think if I'd continued along that process, I probably, I wouldn't be here. Wow. You went through yeah. that, that young, huh? There was darkness at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think more people relate, though. The older I get, the more I realise people relate yeah. um, to stuff. Than I yeah. used. I used to think everyone was living their shiny, perfect lives. It was just me, you know. I'm I'm struggling, and everyone else is, you know, just somehow yeah. got it, you know. And and I've found yeah. it's very few people who just had it out of the gate. Yeah. I've met a few, but um, I've met far more who struggle. Yeah. And um. All right. So we're at year eleven. You left. I also had a meltdown in year eleven and left. Um. I left, and I and I was told that I was the first person that ever dropped out of school. Um. And I was told that I had to get a job. Um. Immediately. So I went. I went and got a job at Pizza Hut in Darlinghurst, and made pizzas for approximately two weeks, and was like, "Yeah, nah, this is not me." Um, so I actually ended up going to art school 
Um, so I went to design more, uh, the design center in more cool. TAFE and I did art school for about two years, just under yep. two years since I was going into design. And I don't know if you remember at school, I was doing a lot of photography, like art was my thing. I basically, I just wasn't the academic at Sydney High. The reason that I didn't get expelled a lot earlier was that I was doing all this extracurricular stuff that was doing good for the school like you know going and playing sports at state level so I was doing state level cricket um and playing hockey for uni of new south wales and the whole basketball thing as well and then on top of that my photography was winning awards um so I think that was why they put up with me for a bit longer than they probably should have <laughs> because I was doing good stuff but just did not lot into the, the sort of pure academia of Sydney High. I loved English, really loved English. I've always been a, a massive reader and writer. Um, but as far as everything else is concerned, not so much, you know, and, and my parents, it's, I'm not going to sit here and bag my parents a lot, but they definitely yeah. had a script. Um, and so I was being made to do like Latin and French and shit like that yeah. It, just, yeah it was just it was not a good time for me at all um so yeah went to went to Enmore and then from there yeah I went on to the National Art School and studied photography for about a term yeah um but I didn't I didn't really like the National Art School and by this point um I'd, I'd already left home I pretty much left home in year 11 and I was yeah. I was working nights just in hospitality um, and supporting oh, myself God. and moved into my first sort of shared terrace house in Surrey Hills yeah um, and yeah from from there it just kind of <laughs> I don't I don't know a lot has happened <laughs> a lot has happened but there's no sort of my first rent was $70 a week for like the attic room in a terrace house yeah. in Surrey Hills and it was it was unbelievable and like just that that yeah the free the freedom yeah. that you had and I think like you know I was getting paid about three hundred dollars a week. Yeah. No, look, I relate to that too. I was out of there ASAP. I remember um, being able to afford half a room with somebody else for fifty dollars a week, you know, and I didn't even have a bloody door that closed properly. So, you know, having uh, you living off two minute noodles and like you just, you know, had money and. But the freedom! I remember thinking, I've made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those awful meat patties that used to come in a frozen. I remember people used to. Oh God, I was a noodle yeah. queen. Yeah, but these, these men I lived with would cook up these like bloody yeah. meat patties, and like they were like two dollars mm. for twenty, and they were disgusting. And they'd be like, "Oh, if we add spice, they're really good," you know. I mean, like, oh God, dang it! Thank God I was having a faulty gallbladder at the time. I had to have it removed, and I couldn't eat any fat. So I was like, I can't eat that, can't eat this. I was living on Robina. <laughs> Saved me from a lot yeah, of crap cheeky. food. But then, anyway, yeah. not my story. So what, what happened next? Um, so from there, basically with the whole working in hospital thing, I, I got to work at some pretty fancy restaurants. And 
um, one of the places I was, I was just working as a kitchen hand and one of the places that I was working at was a place called Raw Bar in Bondi and oh. it was Sydney's sort of first serious sushi joint. Yep. And the chef there was like, I want to make you a chef because of the way that I work. I'm quite methodical and stuff like that. And they, they used to do sort of go, we've never had a kitchen hand like you and you should be a chef. Yep. And so from there, I went into cooking. So basically I didn't do an apprenticeship, but went into to food um, and did that for quite a few years. The money was great. And so it's sort of the, as I was doing that, I was having sort of the random little photography exhibition at a cafe in Darlinghurst and that kind of stuff. Um, and also throughout, this is where it's kind of the jack of all trains thing throughout that time. I don't know something that started in high school was um, that I was a DJ. So I bought my first turntables yeah. when I was in high school and so I started DJing. So between the cooking in that respect um, and then DJing gigs and stuff like that, I think that that took care of probably the better part of a decade. <laughs> so that was me just, you it know, rolls. working, working in kitchens, going out, DJing, that kind of thing. So that happened for a while. Um, and then I was on my way to work one day and I was an avid cyclist. Um, I was yep. riding down Bondi Road and I got hit by a truck. Oh, and when wow. I got hit by the truck, I fractured my skull um, and I lost my sense of smell. Um, and so I was in hospital for about a month and I was off work for about six months. And because oh, you, when you have a head injury like that, this sort of, it, it really turns your whole world upside down. Um, yeah. And so it took, me, it took me quite a while to recover from that. And then I went back to work and it's um, one of the things that, I mean, most chefs know this, but basically when you're doing service and you, you've got 45 covers, you've got a lot going on, you yeah. can smell things burning before they actually burn. Yeah. So you heavily rely on your sense of smell. Um, and so I went back to work and I tried to cook for sort of two weeks and I just couldn't do it. I, it, it was just too much to, you know, I was burning shit left, right and centre and it was just, and because this is the thing, I love food and I love wanky food. <laughs> I really love wanky food. So I went from there to front of house. Um, yeah. And so I did the, the fine dining front of house for, quite a while and worked at some pretty serious restaurants even though I'm covered in tattoos and I have piercings I, I clean up quite well and play the, play the game like it's the um, 2000s so I've worked yeah. at some pretty yeah pretty serious restaurants in Sydney so I worked at 41 for a while um I've managed a few places I managed Red Lantern um which is a Vietnamese restaurant in sorry I was 41 um doesn't exist anymore Red Lantern does exist um, and then Burst Street Bakery, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I managed Burst Street Bakery for a while. Um, the whole time through all of that, I was DJing and my DJ career on the queer scene in Sydney was going quite well. Um, yep. So I had stints playing sort of all over queer Sydney, um, but then also I worked for Mardi Gras for quite a few years, both DJing at the party and then programming the party. Um, and then there's another... Party. So I'm a, <laughs> I can do many things at yeah. once and I, I enjoy doing many, many, many things at the same time. 
Um, so did all of that and, you know, lived. And by then I'm probably about 32. So yeah. that's like 13, 13 years ago. Um, and Sydney, even though Sydney is large, Sydney is quite small in yeah. once you're sort of doing things. And I felt like I sort of had had it. I got tired, you know, when you're, when you're working at that level of restaurant, you're doing about 60 hours a week and, I know people that are still doing it and it's like it's it's all encompassing. Um, yeah. And I just, as much as the money is fantastic and I do love it and I do love the wank factor of fine dining. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. You're, you're selling. One, of, one of the chefs, Dietmar, who was the chef at um, 41, he explained it really well that, you know, you're selling people a dream that they're coming in for this night and they're having food that they don't normally get to eat and yeah. they're having drinks and it's like, it's just this magical experience thing. And I, I love that. Yeah. I love going somewhere and just getting lost in. And so that's like my thing when I, when I go to places, I'm like, just feed me, just feed me what the chef does well and feed, and give me the wine that you've paired with that and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, but it is, it is an all encompassing life. And I got tired and I was just like, I don't, I actually don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. Um, and I fell in love with someone and she was down in Melbourne. So um, I'm a, I'm a, should we talk about <laughs> gender identity and sexuality now? Definitely. So, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I mean, back in the day, you would say that I'm a lesbian, but I'm a, I'm a they, them. Um, so it's gender, gender, non-binary, gender fluid. Yeah. I oscillate between um, but then it's been attracted to women. So now yeah. we'd say that that's queer. So my, and there's my that gender difference, I- which is the, yeah, the gender identity and the sexual yeah. orientation. Yeah, they're not, ex, they're not the same thing. They're not the same. No, and when we no. were growing up, it, 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 we, there wasn't that differentiation, you know. Yeah. Was, um, so no, it was, it's quite funny because it was, you know, when I was younger, I used to say shim. So she <laughs> and him together is yeah. shim. With you. And it's like so that, words. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's this thing that is, it was always there, but now we've got the language for it, um, yeah. which is just it's fantastic for young people. I think you know. I, do, sort of I agree. Young people being able to see themselves in other people and to not feel so isolated and that kind of stuff. Like I would have loved to have had that back then. Um, the language, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, fell in, fell in love with someone, yep. and she was based based in Melbourne and I was ready to leave Sydney. So I went down to Melbourne. I was getting a few DJ gigs down there and I got down to Melbourne and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do Hosto. Um, I had a bit of money behind me, so I didn't have to work immediately. And I was like, I I don't want to do hospitality. Um, But then I accidentally fell into working in a bike shop quite quickly. Um, And that I've always had bicycles around me. And being a, basically I'm a, a fabricator, I, I can build things and make things. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I just got heavily into bikes when I was in Melbourne. Um, and then I was like, I'm just going to open my own shop. And so it was not a bike shop that you buy bicycles. It was a, it started out as a repair place. Yeah. Um, just basically fixing bicycles. And from there, I went off and I learned how to weld. Um, so I went to TAFE and did a whole welding thing and fabricating and then started building bicycles. 
Um, and so I turned it into basically a, a custom bicycle shop. Um, and yeah. I uh, was doing that for the last 13 years. So I, I closed that up in March this year. Um, so I ran my shop for 13 years. And in that process, I, I've won awards and I'm in a book. And because <laughs> nobody in, in the world that was doing what I was doing, particularly someone that is not male, that the bicycle yeah. industry is heavily a sausage fest. Um, so that that was it. It honestly is kind of my true passion because it was challenging enough for me and creative enough, um, and sort of appealed to the fabricator and the engineer in me. Um, and so then, like yeah. you know, I was making furniture and doing the shop fit outs and that kind of stuff. So it's just stuff that I really love. Um, I have not close my business I've put it on ice um so I, I yeah. don't I think I've told you a rough story of what actually happened and and how I ended up where I am so I'm back in Sydney now um yeah. and I've been here for I think a week <laughs> yeah. and I've, I've already started a business here which is I haven't told you about so I'll tell you about in a second um but just to sort of go back on the, the last years and what sort of happened to me in the last years and how I've ended up walking away from the shop. Um, so we went through Melbourne based, we went through the most brutal lockdown. Um, we yeah. were based, we, you know, we had curfews and things like that, but I think the dates that we were actually in lockdown for came up to just under a year. Um, it was something like 342 days in that we had six lockdown six separate lockdowns yeah i've got a friend in melbourne and yeah start stop start stop so it was really brutal time for absolutely everyone because my business was a bicycle shop i was deemed an essential service so i was able to to move around and do stuff um however basically my clientele went because we then had you know we had the 5k radius and so i could only be helping people in the 5k radius and it was you yeah. couldn't do general servicing. You were only allowed to do emergency repairs, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And all, and all the um, uncertainty financially and, yeah. Oh, uh, look, I, I, the government The government looks after me, which was good because, it, I'm you know. I'm thinking of the customers. Like, I'm thinking of, you know, yeah. like, do, you know, oh, do yeah, I spend yeah, my yeah, money totally, on the, you know. Totally. But, <sighs> you know, a lot of my customers are sort of affluent and so that they were okay in that sense. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, we had no idea what we were going into and what it was going to be like. Um, yeah. And at the beginning of that, um, I'd split up with somebody that I was really, really this in love with. This I do one. believe so, but... I saw a picture, and I want to ask about this, of a woman wearing the dress you wore to the Year 10 formal. That's me. Is with that the, the one? With the wig and the shoes. Is that you wearing the dress that's in the my, bathtub? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 oh, okay. one of my, that's one of my events. So I ran a lot okay. of events in Melbourne. So that's a bicycle I hated event. that formal and I got the feeling you did too. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe I was wrong. God, yeah. My, oh, mother, you know. my mother's got a fucking picture of me in that dress on oh. a thing downstairs and I want to smash it every time I see it. I'm just like, so I look at it and I go, you do realise that's not who I am. Like, that was me doing that for you. 
Yeah. Just, it was just so, oh, no, yeah. no, that's me. And that I remember event, looking around that room, yeah, that night and just looking at you and thinking, I think maybe you're the only person who hates being here as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it was it was not fun. Um so yeah, that, that photo that you're speaking of was a community event thing I did um in Melbourne which was raising money for um, a young gay organisation, so it, it's effectively like the minus 18. Um, I think in, in Sydney it's called 2010, and so it's the Youth Gay yep. Services. Um, cool. And this was through Bike Community, and we did these drag races. At, there's an area in Melbourne called the Drains, and so we basically everybody had to dress up in drag, but then race bicycles in drag, and you know, <laughs> big sponsorship, and there was entry fees and stuff like that. We had, I think on that one, we ended up making about two and a half grand. That got That's given a brainchild right there, isn't grass, it? Grassroots <laughs> um, gay community thing for, for young people in Melbourne. So, yeah, that, that was me. I had to run the whole thing. And I was like, I've still got this dress. I'm going to wear this dress. <laughs> Oh, this mine. goddamn dress. Yeah, no, that's me. Taffeta, if that's I remember me. correctly. Yeah, so I'm literally when I left Melbourne and packed all my stuff up um, and put it in storage, I ended. I still had that dress <laughs> and the matching shoes, <laughs> only dress I've ever owned. And I've I've actually oh. given it to um, a wonderful person that does great things with fashion and making things. And I was like, do you want this? You're like, if anyone can do something with this, it's you. And she's like, yeah, give it. Yeah. So I don't know what Let she's going to go. do with it, but there's a lot of material there. Pink taffeta. <laughs> Pink taffeta and shawl. Yeah. Oh, Sasha. Yeah, oh, that, that was, was painful. Funny. That was funny. But, um, yeah, but I loved the photo of it years later. I went, oh, you know. Yeah. Cause yeah, gosh, no, there's, and, and I think, like, I've, I've actually worn that four times. So there was the formal... Then there was a thing here in Sydney that one of my mates did a, a pink party, and so I wore it, wore it to that. And then I so wore it to new. a princess party in Melbourne, like maybe four years ago, and then did this drag race thing in it. Um, so that's yep. four, time, four times with the drag. It's had its lifetime. Yep, that's it. Time for a new life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that's not, not the, uh, the woman that, that – I've, I've split up with it at the beginning of COVID. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so so we, we've gone, ew. Um, yeah, so, so we're going into lockdown, COVID starting, and split up with that woman. Um, and then I was in a share house just with one other guy, and I had my buy shop. Uh, he went home to his parents' place, which is totally understandable, but the way that he did it um, was not cool. Um, so he kind of yeah. left me in the lurch and also like left yeah. left the landlords in the lurch as well, which is just, yeah, you know, just shit. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going out and going to work and meanwhile there's this virus that nobody knows about and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that I was scared and I didn't know what was going to happen. And the other thing, that the particular area that I was living in at that time is a place called Kensington in Melbourne, and I don't know if it, it hit here in Sydney, but when they locked down the um, Housing Commission towers, that's in Kensington. <gasps> yes, I remember. So it was sort of, yep. it hit us kind of first, and what oh, we had all these things scared. where you were effectively in a hot suburb, what was a hot suburb, um, so there's all these different rules for different areas and it was just 
yeah, it was it was really quite full on. Um, yeah. And then I'm I'm going off to work every day and sitting there waiting for customers to come in and was like, I can't do this. Like that was sort of the first lockdown. And then we came out of lockdown and then we sort of had to get going again, but everybody was still scared. So people weren't going out and spending money. Um, and yeah. then we went into another lockdown. And the whole time mm. that this was going on, um, there was I had a few discrepancies with my commercial landlords and my, my commercial, it was actually the real estate, not the landlord itself, um, was ripping me off. My bookkeeper found That's it, so right. I had to sort of start this legal procedure to get money back from them. And that, of course, put me in bad stead with negotiating rent relief for the periods where all that happened. Um, so I've got all of this going on <laughs> with a broken heart and we're all going to die because there's this virus. Yeah, um, look at Italy and they got bodies in freezers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the end of the world as we know it. Um, so not, not really having a good time and having to be super, super brave and, you know, just doing it. Um, and it. then um, I was like, okay, I'm going to move. So I got out of the house because I was hemorrhaging money paying for this two-bedroom place. Uh, and so I moved into this really nice, beautiful house and finally was like, okay, no, this is good. Um, and as I said, the, the government looked after me because I paid enough in tax over the 13 years I had run my business. So they looked after me quite yeah. well. Um, and so I've sort of developed a, a different approach to it and set up like an online booking system for my shop and was like, I'm not going to sit in the shop and wait and do bad things to my mental health. Um, so by, by the, the last few lockdowns, I actually had it sorted out quite well. And so I'd go and work for two days a week, sort out the people that needed yeah. to be sorted out. And then I had all this time, um, which was cool. And so that's when I sort of started doing, I don't know if you saw that we started this live stream DJing. It was effectively a radio show DJing thing um, all through the lockdown periods. And I get guest DJs in because they'd all lost their work as well. So all the creative people around me were like, everything's fucked. I don't know what to do. So I set up on What was it Twitch. called? Um, we, it was called Intimate Partner because I was basically breaking the law. We, we were allowed to, as a single person, I was allowed to have one person... You were allowed to go and see your intimate partners, partner. Yes. Um, and then they were like, okay, if you're single, you can make a bubble and you can have one friend. So we, yeah. me and one of my best mates, we were basically like, we're just going to say that we're intimate partners and we're going to call the DJ thing intimate partner. Is it, you know, at this point yeah. we were expecting the, the, the cops or the army to turn up on the door at any time and say, you know, who's in the house? because that's what was going on there was there was army in the street it was it was like i know it armageddon it looked yeah. at, you know it, yeah. it, what yeah. next it's really full-on so yeah did did that and that was kind of like okay no life's starting to feel kind of okay again um and then I was going to the supermarket on a Saturday afternoon to buy a bachelor's handbag do you know what a bachelor's handbag is? No, what's a bachelor's handbag? It's a, it's a roast chicken from all this. Ah! They're, called, they're called bachelor's handbags. So I was getting my, ba- getting my bachelor's handbag on a Saturday afternoon and there was a guy there um, 
and he could I was wearing a cut off sleeveless shirt and he could see my bra underneath it. He thought I was a guy and he was he was drunk and he was like, Are you a guy or a girl? No, he didn't say that. He said, Are you wearing a bra, mate? Um and I sort of I started recording him on my camera because he was being quite rude and nobody was doing anything. Yeah, none of your um, effing business. No, anyway, he just sort of escalated from there and he followed me out of the supermarket and beat the shit out of me. Um wow. turns, out, turns out that he was in fact gay. He's gay. He's an elderly gay man. Um so dealing with some internalized homophobia. This is all the stuff that I've sort of found out after yeah. the fact that yeah, well, you can't certain, handle in others. Certain age of gay men yourself. that when they lived through homosexuality is illegal, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. They've got yeah. internalised homophobia, so they actually hate themselves. And I think that yeah, him with um, being as drunk as he was, like he's, he wasn't, he's not a street thug or anything like that. He, from yeah. what I could tell, he'd come from a boozy lunch and was going to buy cigarettes. And he was just pissed yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. And I'm, even though I'm, I'm big, I am six foot tall, um, I don't, I don't fight back. I just protect myself because if you fight, this is so something that's happened to me quite a few times in my life is that are you a boy or a girl, hence the gender fluid thing. Um, and yeah. people that cannot get their head around it, that they, they get violent. Um, and so this would be the fourth time that I've, I've physically been attacked um, because of the way I look. Wow. Um, wow. Anyway, so that... Coupled with everything that was going on um, with the shop, I just I just didn't bounce back with the shop and with lockdown. I didn't bounce back the way that I normally do. I'm quite resilient. Um, I got pretty serious PTSD um, and just yeah. took it took a, a long time to sort of get back to being okay. Um, yeah. And then because of everything, this is just such a convoluted shit story um because of no, everything it ain't shit. because of everything that had happened with the commercial real estate they were like okay we're going to evict yeah. you now because that's what we can do so i got an eviction notice yeah. from them um it was august last year and they put the eviction notice for february this year and i was like okay cool i've got this like the vcat case coming up with them i'll just get my money back from them deal with it find a new shop um and then the house that i was in the owner of the house decided to sell. And so it was like, okay, now I've got to find a new shop and a new house. And then uh, uh, my dog died. So I've been oh. <laughs> rescuing, rescuing Staffy. So I had had two dogs. I've still got the other one. Um, but, yeah, one of my dogs yeah. died. And then a friend of mine died. And I was. this was all within the period. This was all like September last year. And I was just like... Yeah, you know what? No, I'm just gonna really? I'm just gonna not for a little bit. Um and I'm just yeah. gonna go and do go and find some sunshine. I love Melbourne, I love Melbourne culturally, but it's cold and it rains a lot. Yeah. Um and it's, very it's flat. not you know I went there and found it was very flat. Very very flat, not not pretty. <laughs> it's not you know, Sydney's a pretty city. Um if you wanna like you get out of Melbourne and it's fantastic. Um, but I'm I'm a beach kid because like I'd live at Bondi when I was a kid. Yeah. 
Um, the beaches yeah. in Melbourne are not, for one, there's no beaches in Melbourne proper. It's a bay. And people say, I'm going to the beach. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to swim in the no, pool. No, <laughs> like, And so if you wanted, you wanted a good beach, you'd have to drive for sort of an hour and a half, um, which was lovely. The yeah. Great Ocean Road is beautiful. Um, and yeah, like I just, I was like, I need to, I need to just get away for a bit. And so, a friend of mine, so what I didn't mention was that last year I started with the whole lockdown stuff. I did a year at uh, uni studying community services um, and that was sort of to yeah. legitimise that I've been doing a lot of outreach stuff through the shop in the local community in North Melbourne. Yeah. So working with African kids, um, facilitating events and stuff like that. And I was sort of like, this is kind of where I want to go long term is to yeah. move into... Um, youth work predominantly so i've actually applied i haven't enrolled but i've applied to do double degree social work psychology um and so that was my that was my plan for this year um and i have a friend that runs a business building solar farms and he'd given me a job to go up to far north queensland to a place called weeper which is sort of pretty much all the way up the top of the point and i was going to go there and work for three months earn enough money to take the rest of the year off so I could study full time. And so my plan is to switch in and out of studying so I can get my social work degree and psychology. Um, because I do, I want to yeah. go into youth work. I need to study a bit. I don't want to go in sort of an entry level job in youth work. I, yeah. I want to get into the nitty gritty of it. So I packed up 100%. all my stuff and got my car and I built out this sort of car camper thing. And I went and travelled around Victoria for a month and then made my way up to Sydney and spent a little bit of time with my parents and then started heading all the way up um, the coast to get up to Weeper. And I got as far as the Sunshine Coast and the contract got dropped. And I was like, what do I do? So a week ago, I was sitting on a beach looking at Fraser Island saying, okay, what am I going to do? What, what's, you know, uni is happening. So uni, university is going to be the next yep, six, seven years happening. of my life. But in the meantime, on you heads. know, I had a plan <laughs> and the plan is no yeah. longer a plan. Oh, I don't you so love plans. Plan? I don't even bother yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I've, oh. I've come back to Sydney and I have literally, in, I got back here not last Sunday, the Sunday of the court. So it's been two weeks. Um, I've launched yep. a business <laughs> um, and the business is, it's basically hire a butch and I'm going around doing handy work for people like building IKEA cool. furniture and painting houses and that kind of stuff. And what it means All is the that. crap they can't I, do themselves. Yeah. Oh, and also just as they don't want to. <laughs> I can't um, build Ikea furniture. I swear to God, I can have a meltdown yeah. and smash it. But I can't build <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that like it, it was sort of an accident, but it's going to end up doing quite well. Um, and I'm yeah, literally 100%. like, like I said, I've, I've been doing it for a week and this week every day except for today has been booked out with jobs. Um, so I've sort That's of, sweet. as I said, stum- stumbled onto a really good idea that I'm just going to run with for the next bit. My parents are getting really old 
um, they both had COVID, yeah. so we're, we're coming up to the end. So it's, it's time to sort of put all the animosity aside and just spend some time with them. Um, you know, I, I've just had to let go, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Because I look at it today yeah. and I just, yeah, it's, yeah, the compassion comes out and the. Yeah, and, the and I mean, it's tough it's because. It's got to go. Nobody tells you this. Nobody, nobody tells you what's, what's actually going to happen and how. Um, difficult old age is and watching watching someone decline mm. both physically and mentally mm. as i said you, you have to sort of put things aside and just go okay well this is where i'm at and try not to react and try not to to have too many arguments my parents are snobs <laughs> they they like spenno stuff they like wanky food and it would sort of show off and and yeah. my mum is a fantastic cook um, and she, I would say, is the reason why both me and one of my brothers, he went into hospital as well. So he was a, he was a chef. He ended up going to um, San Francisco Culinary Academy, and he became a pretty serious chef. He's now managing resorts. He went on to do MBA and went into the front of house side thing, and he's um, yeah. he's in Samoa managing a resort. So that what we learnt from them was good food and good boots I, I started to see patterns happening and I was like yeah I, I don't want to be that person I, I do want to be able to enjoy having a drink when I want to have a drink um so definitely yep, in yeah. in my younger years I mean it was that thing when I was chefing you'd finish work at one or two o'clock and you'd be so buzzed that you needed to have something to sort of bring you back down. There good go. that there was some good stuff yeah. that came out of it. It too. was it was not easy, um, and also um, I have had pretty much for the last ten years either been seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Um, so it's not something that I've done on my own. It's it's having serious help along the way, and and also just being incredibly honest with yourself and also the person that you're checking in with yeah. and saying I'm seeing this turn into a problem um honesty I didn't even, you know and the and that that whole concept I didn't understand what honesty mm. meant the first time I think I thought about like I don't steal people's wallets when they go to the toilet I'm an honest yeah, person yeah, no. you know, I had no idea <laughs> yeah. about on you know honest with myself yeah. Yeah. you know and on you know and stuff that that whole stuff that's been a real big yeah no it's it's tough work. and it's it's hard work and you you know the expression doing the work it's it's a yeah um, and I, I'm, yeah, it means a lot to me. I think at the end of the day, um, that once again to go trigger warning and talk about the darkness that I went through when I was younger, um, which I, don't, I mean, I don't know if too many of the listeners know, but suicide was a, a pretty serious option for me quite a few times. Um, yeah, I have, yeah, I have been diagnosed with bipolar. Um, and I do have medication Me that I have to take every day and will have to take for the rest of my life. So, so did that and did talking therapy and will continue talking therapy for my whole life. Um, and I'm finally at yeah, the point where I'm like, you know, and this I don't want to sound like I'm simplifying this because it was fucking hard and the, the decade yeah. of yeah. trying to get this beast under control was difficult, but I seem to have yeah. figured it out. Um, and I am happy. I still do feel emotions. I still get upset, but it's not the yeah. massive 
troughs and peaks yeah, and yeah you know i still feel things um but what i what i do do is i'm incredibly disciplined um with exercise so exercise is a huge part of my life oh. um every day and i think that's yeah, something same. that i was saying to you when yeah, you same. rang me the other day and i'm like <laughs> do you want to do you want to just go and move your body and to, you know because you get endorphins from that you get a release from that um so i've yeah. taken up um indoor rowing as well as I'm back playing basketball again. Um, and also, yeah. um, it's quite funny, someone that we went to school with, I turned up to um, the Australian National Indoor Rowing Competition, which is on every year. It's done virtually now because of COVID. Um, and I turned up to that and um, Christy, um, what's her surname? Barrow. Christy Barrow. Oh. Yeah, she turned up, and so yeah, we, we actually yeah. ended up racing each other. And I was like, I know you, um, and we went to high school together. So Christy and I actually kind of we're, we're mates on Strava, and we sort of encourage each other to to train and to race and stuff like that. So um, Christy's better than me <laughs> at the moment. So no. um, I think I when I raced last year, I came third. Christy didn't race in the two K, but I came third in Australia for that. And so it's like okay, I want to do this thing. I want, I want to see how far I can go with this. Um, so traveling around, I've actually bought my rowing machine with me because it's part of what I need to stay okay. Um, so yeah, this, yeah, this year I'm hoping to do better than third. Um, Christy and I raced in the 500 together and she absolutely smashed me. <laughs> so she's, she's an amazing athlete. She does dragon boat racing and stuff like that. So just, fit as fuck yeah. and you're like you know we're we're 44 no 10, that resonates 45. with me so much like i box i do weights yeah. i do yoga yeah. i do tai chi yeah They're my the, you gotta move, at this age we gotta be moving our bodies and and using it and my my whole 100%. thing is you know building a rig for the next 44 years because there's so much i want to do yeah. um and i am at that yeah. point now where i'm i'm living my life it's not that my life is happening to me it's that i'm actually sort of saying this is what i want to do this is where oh, i want to go um and it's exciting and it's sort of that you know knowing i've always known i can do whatever i want i've just got to focus on it and say this is what i want to do and give it my 100 percent. and yeah um it's good. I'm, I'm. I love that too. That I've always known I can do whatever I yeah, want to do. Yeah, and I think look, that's actually a big thing. I think it's a thing for for people that went to Sydney High. Um, you know, being a selective student Perhaps. is that you're smarter than the average. <laughs> you know, you see, you see things. So, um, I think it's something for all of our colleagues that that went to that school. Um, I can't. Yeah. I, you know. I have contact with a few yeah. people from school still, um, and, and they're all bad, badasses, total badasses that are, you know, didn't. Not all of them sort of came out the way we were supposed to come out, which is doctors, lawyers, scientists, whatever. Who knows how we were supposed to? Yeah, go? yeah, but I know what you mean. Yeah, those archetypes. So, um, yeah, for sure. I yeah, you know, and I, I don't know. So I, I, I say my parents are proud of me. I certainly didn't do what they wanted me to do so you know bloody hope they yeah. are yeah yeah yeah. but um yeah so it's taken you pretty much up to yeah. now 
you know, it's sort of the, the, if it, it, I had no sense of failure from walking away from my shop. And it's sort of like, even though I'll, I went through that in my head, I'm like, oh, you've worked so hard to build this thing. You sure you want to go? And it's like, I had to go to open up other doors. And that's what kind of made me realize there's no reason why you can't change a career at this age or, or completely change your life at this yeah. age. Like I'm, I want to smash until I'm like 90, you know, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just sort of think like, don't, don't put off doing what you want to do because you've got family or you've got kids or whatever, because that just leads to resentment and your kids are going to pick up on that resentment, even yeah. though you think they're not. And yeah. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I'm they just pick like, up on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, are, kids are fucking sponges. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Do you think they're not think, picking up on it? They are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that is one of the things that my parents did do wrong was that they sort of kept things from us thinking that they were protecting us. Um, and, I mean, for me, yeah. I'm such an emotionally sensitive person. Like, I'm an, I'm an empath and I, I can Same. feel that something is wrong before it's even a thing. Um, and just a, a lot of damage was yeah. caused in that regard um, with, like, me knowing that, that something. Toxic positivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not. That, we, you know, we all, we all go through shit. You know. It's like I knew shit. Master help. And help yeah. is out there. Yeah. Um, and talk about talking. Yeah. Talking is you don't sit on it. You talk to people and say how you're feeling and say what's going yeah. on and say, hey, I just, I need this or I need that or I actually just need you to just, hold me and say shit's gonna be okay and let's watch a movie and you know in that sense um emotional maturity god so simple but why does it take so long sometimes to learn simple stuff you know it's often a process of unlearning i found yeah like you know i was probably five when i was five and everything just kind of went yeah "Mm." thanks thanks so much sasha see ya actually opened up more than I expected to in this episode because I felt really comfortable talking to Sasha. Um, Talk too much for a podcast host once again, but I'm learning. Thank you so much, Sasha. It was a really, really great episode. Mm -hmm.